Okay, I think we can say this is probably one of the first cultish movies that we're doing. I guess so. I, I don't know if it was a cult movie or not, but, you know, I, I guess it could fall in that category, yeah, possibly. Like not, not like a, a premiere release or anything like that. Not like The Halloween is the only one I can think of. That. It was a big deal to me when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, this was this would have been right around the same time that you had um, the old cable where you, uh, you know, you could get a pay-per-view movie on the old cable mm-hmm. um, that came on at certain times. Like, it would have a channel that played the movie yeah. over and over and over again. And... Uh, you would always watch the trailers, the trailers for the movies, just like planes, trains, and automobiles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You would they would play the trailers for the movies on a specific channel, mm-hmm. and you'd see the tra- I'd see the trailer for this movie yeah. over and over and over again. So I couldn't wait to freaking see it. By the way, uh, since we should probably let everybody know tonight, we're looking at uh, I'm gonna get you sucker. I'm gonna get you sucker. Yeah, we. We, I guess we, because uh, we announced. That we, I don't know if you cut it out or not, I did, but I did. Well, that hasn't been it hasn't been edited, and we'll cover Black Panther really quick in a second. Um, but I haven't edited it out. I'm not going to. No, I think <clears throat> what happens. I watched. I'm going to get you sucker last week. Uh huh. And then this week I wanted to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a good movie. Um, it holds up really well. It does. It really um, does. And it's. It it's it's a movie where people are not afraid to make uh, make fun of themselves. It's not a movie that I think it's made now. No, you know, it, no. It, I think that the Wayne's brothers in particular, um, and and their kids, uh, I think that the whole genre of movies that they were putting out these spoof these black spoof movies that they were putting out in the late eighties. Once you got to, um, what it was a ghost. Um, what was the what was the movie called? Uh, the ghost movie. It wasn't just called ghost movie. Oh, scary movie. Scary movie. Scary movie. That's what it was called. Yeah. I knew it was something stupid, but I just couldn't remember. Once they got movie. to scary movie, mm-hmm. is when things kind of started changing. It did because um, their their acting the ensemble wasn't. Uh, traditional all-black cast. Well, it wasn't an all-black cast, and it started to become, you know, uh, uh, without another nice way of putting this, make fun of Whitey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right, you're right. That, and, and it got more and more progressive. I mean, once you get to white chicks, that's like, okay, yeah. you have two black guys dressed up as white women, and you're basically just making fun yeah. of Valley Girls, Valley Girls, which is fine, which is whatever. And, and I don't have a problem a with it. It was a stereotype movie, and I don't really have a problem with it, but it was just the concept of, you know, when you go all the way back to I'm Gonna Get You Sucker and uh, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Um, I, I can never remember. Sipping on their juice in the hood oh, or something, whatever the hell that movie was. Um, when you If you go back to those movies, it was, you know... Black director, black writer, black, and it was all great. But they weren't afraid to make. They were. They would make fun of the cops. They'd make fun of white people, but they weren't afraid to make fun of themselves yeah, at the same time. Which is the best type of humor. And it seemed like they kind of got more and more away from that. Like the last time, 
the basically once you got to scary movie, it was like the only real jokes about black people were that they smoked pot. You had Smokey yeah. in the scary movie movies, yeah. and he was just like just an idiot that smoked pot all the time. So it wasn't even as much about making fun of black people as it was making fun of pot smokers. You know what I'm saying? It, it was it and. And I'm not saying that, you know, to enjoy a movie, it has to be... Because I love Scary Movie. I love Scary Movie 2. After that, it kind of goes downhill quickly. All those spoof movies. Um, but uh, a lot of the spoof movies that came out after the Scary Movies, like Superhero Movie and all those, those were horrible. Yeah. They were all nonsense and horrible. Um, but back in the day, back when you had good spoof movies like Naked Gun and um, Airplane... And then, of course, I'm going to get you Sucker, which was really, in my opinion, one of the first strong black spoof movies. I, I mean, I'm sure there was some of them back in what we're getting into is the black exploitation stuff yeah. back in the 70s. Which kind of set the table for something like this. Right. I mean, it, it really was, but I, it was more of an attitude in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, 60s like, and 70s, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, I, when you watch something like Black Dynamite, Black Dynamite is just a straight up spoof of a black exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, should we talk about black exploitation right now? Yeah, I mean, why don't you explain what yeah. that is to the listeners for you know our yeah, I have a Australian yeah, audience? Because it is it is uh, it is American. It is it is American. Black exploitation. Oh yeah, I love black exploitation film. Well, let's, let's, uh, I have like a write up here, so maybe you know it may seem I'm reading off of, of a sheet in which I am. I tried to narrow it down as best as I could. And I think I'm going to get you sucker. It was still. I mean, you're looking at '88. It was still relatively, relatively new. As I said, having like an all black cast where it was the hero, you know, rather than the sidekick. It was still. You know, you're only looking at a couple decades. Well, yeah, I mean, it, decades, definitely. I mean, the, the 70s, there was plenty of all-black cast-type movies mm-hmm. in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but the problem was, was like I said, most of it fell into black exploitation, mm-hmm. which was kind of like they would have, uh, you'd have a Dracula movie, they'd have Blackula. Yeah, well, like it, uh, we, uh, I mentioned that. In the, oh, okay. Well, why don't you go yeah. ahead? So, yeah, blacks, the black exportation genre is a subset of exportation cinema, which there's a bunch of exportation cinema. Like the list is Grindhouse is perfect example. And, yeah, Grindhouse. So, so the the it's primarily comprised of independent produced, low budget B movies, and you say Grindhouse films, right? They usually revolve around lewd, violent, or taboo subject matter and are engineered specifically to attract an audience through sensation and controversy. Well, yeah, I think that uh, another one would be like Deep Throat. A lot of people will think of Deep Throat as a uh, straight-up porn movie, no. but it was actually released, even though it didn't get a, a rating, it got an X rating, mm-hmm. um, it was more of an exploit, uh, exploitation, exploitation film right. than anything else. It's one of the, the highest, uh, you know, grossing X-rated or non-rated movies of all time. But it, that one came towards the end of the whole exploitation right. cinema. Right. Well, black exploitation films specifically featured, they featured black actors in lead roles and typically center around blacks overcoming oppressive, antagonistic, or generally 
white authority figures, aka the man. Yeah. Protagonists were outlined. This is this is interesting. Where stereotypical in their characterization, there such as pimps, pushers, prostitutes, bounty hunters. But the one thing they all had in common was his black empowerment. Now the, ter- the actual term black exploitation was coined by the then NAACP head Junius Griffin. Um, in the early 70s, his criticism for the less than positive images of African Americans depicted in the genre. However, even though he came out and said that, uh, a lot of the audience that were African American liked it because they thought it was a sign of progress. Well, I, and I think it was. I, I yes. honestly do. I mean, I, I know I'm a white guy <laughs> we're saying white guys. this. <laughs> But at the same time, you have to understand whether where this country came from. Yes. I mean, you know, you had a very, very diverse, uh, or, or segregated is, is actually the word I'm looking for, a very segregated population all the way up through the 50s, mm-hmm. you know. And, and once you got through the 50s, you know, you had all of the, uh, you know, the what you know some people call the riots and the you know yeah. but all, all you had movement. the black power movement yeah. the human rights movements um those all came out you know through the 60s you had a lot more uh you know the the white population getting behind these black movements and saying hey you know we're all equal you know and and we need to come together as a country well one of those things that kind of you know was a uh, an offshoot of that. I mean, exploitation films were out there, of course, but you you had nobody. You know, nobody was going to put money into these exploitation films. So, you know, if you have a brand new black director or a brand new, even a brand new white director, it really doesn't matter. The only place that they could get any kind of um, exposure was in these exploitation films. Let's 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 talk about that because that really led to the rise of black exploitation to what you just talked about because there was the rise of television, movies weren't as popular, so Hollywood was and Hollywood was on the verge of bankruptcy, so they were also looking at different avenues to to create revenue. And one of those streams of revenue happened to be black exploitation films. Because again, as you said, there was a black power movement um, the whole coming together, what have you. Um, amongst the first, one of the first filmmakers was Melvin Van Peebles. His independently financed feature, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, which he wrote, directed, produced, edited, and starred in. Um, and it's in Marvin this, Van Peebles' father, isn't but, it? Yeah, or Mar- Mario, I'm sorry. Mario Van Peebles' papa was considered the first black exploitation film. Um, and it, was, it went over extremely well. Prior to Sweetback, there had never been a film where a black man running from the police got away. Manager grows $15 million, despite its X rating for sexual innuendos, which Van Peebles turned into a positive for the film. He said, rated X by an all-white jury tagline. Okay, well, before we go on, rated X is not... Porn. Not porn. No. Okay. Rated X was basically anything that was not rated by the uh, the movie picture association. I mean, so basically, if you didn't get an R rating, you got either an N, uh, a not rated or an X rating. And honestly, a lot of a lot of movies, especially towards the early '80s, like Evil Dead in particular, 
they actually wore the X rating as a badge of honor, yeah. even though um, you know movie. everybody tried to get the R rating. Um, but the you know if you didn't get an R rating, nobody gave a shit because these were all all these movies usually played in double features anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the time the the strongest time for. Uh, the drive-ins. I mean, yeah, you had the drive-ins of the 50s and the 60s, but the drive-in was really in its element once you had the grindhouse pictures and the double features. Um, you also had the onslaught of theaters. In-house theaters, of course, was becoming more and more popular, and the way to get people to go into these in-house theaters were to put them into uh, uh, locations where you had a lot of shopping and stuff like that. That's why you end up having indoor malls becoming more and more popular at the time. Uh, at the same time, every indoor mall would have a theater. That way you would have people that would be, you would have an audience brought in through shopping. You would also bring people in for food and every, that's why you always have food courts or nearest mm-hmm. the theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, everything that was done was done to maximize flow into the theaters, into the shopping, everything else to maximize uh, people to spend their money. So if you're going to get somebody to go out to these, <clears throat> to the malls, into these theaters, you had to give them something worth their while. Well, if you're going to do that, you give them double features. That's why you have the grindhouses are always in double features. These black exploitation films, most of them came out in double features with either, you know, they would just be two movies that were put out by the same production company Mm -hmm. is generally what you would see. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, granted, I was way too young to enjoy any of this shit, but, you know, I've done my research on this as well. Yes, you apparently have. You're also a very accomplished mall designer, uh, architect. I appreciate that. No, I'm not. I just know the way things were laid out. You just know know stuff that really has no use anymore. No, no, because there are (laughs) malls are becoming, uh, you know, a thing of the past, to be honest with you. We are encyclopedias. Oh, yeah, they are. We're encyclopedias of useless knowledge at this point. Yeah. I guess the next big movie after, uh, and everybody knows this movie, and that would be Gordon Park's Shaft. Yes. It was released by MGM, a big studio, unlike uh, Sweetback, which was, as I said, an independent film. Um, Which is curious. The original script had a white version of Shaft, but Gordon Park said uh, it's going to be Richard Roundtree. Yeah, it had to be. Yes. And and there, I don't. I mean, there's been other people that have played Shaft since then, but nobody as well as Richard Roundtree. And and he usually comes back. Like I think the the one that they did um, with uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson in the '90s. I didn't see I, that one. I'm pretty sure Richard Roundtree came back for that sure. one. Uh, now the one that they just put out um, not too long ago, they brought back Samuel L. Jackson in for that one. So, it, it, you know, they they have kept it. It's a great movie. It's <laughs> definitely it worth watching. So you had both Shaft and Sweetback. They made money. Um, and you had a difference in, in the main protagonist. They were vibrant. They were badass, large in life. And they were black. And it appealed to black audiences. And it also proved that it that eventually bled over to mainstream audiences as well. Then after, after Shaft, you had um, the release of independently financed movie, Superfly. You know Superfly. 
It took the depiction of urban life with its cocaine-dealing protagonist trying to score one big last deal before retiring from a life of crime. Well, they just came out with another Superfly within the last six months. Uh, they did? Yeah. Yeah, there was just one that came out um, that was... I don't know if it was a remake or a, continu- was it a continuation of the original story. I don't know. Well, this, this actually troubled the NAACP because the protagonist, again... Dealing drugs. Didn't like it. Didn't well, like it. yeah, I mean, but there was, how many movies were out there that where there was white de- drug dealers, especially in the 80s? Jesus Christ, yeah. the 80s, 80s were about dr- even real Robocop. heavy about. Remember Robocop? <laughs> huh? Remember Robocop? Yeah. He was snorting cocaine. Oh, man. Yeah. I, well, and I think that the only, the only misju- uh, mischaracterization was probably when you look at things like The Godfather or even Goodfellas, which I, I know was the 90s, but uh, when you look at The Godfather and how against drug sales they were, that doesn't hold up as much as you would think. It's it's kind of an exaggeration. There were people that were against drug sales in the mafia, but there was also plenty of people selling drugs through the mafia. And to be perfectly honest with you, the upper capos and shit like that, they didn't care as long as the money kept rolling in. They didn't care, yeah. So, you know, this this romanticized version of the, you know, the mafia just doesn't hold water. So when you have, like, a true gritty type of movie like Superfly or, or any of these other black exploitation movies, which are exceptionally gritty, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, you know, Big Mama... Uh, <laughs> Surf Mossies Must Die, like all those movies were just, they were great. You had these strong, powerful black men or strong, powerful black women that, you know, you know, they didn't always do the right thing, Mm -hmm. but they always had in the back of their mind, they were doing it for the the better, the the betterment of society or for their betterment of their neighborhood or whatever the hell it was. They didn't always do the right thing, but there was good reasons for what they did, yeah. which was a big change from you know, uh, you know the white protagonist taking you know taking out the black drug dealer. It's or, a big difference yeah. between the two, or just a black sidekick too. Yeah, well, the sidekick that was the other thing. See, by 1976, nearly 200 black exploitation features had been produced, spanning the gamut from independent films to the to the ones that Hollywood backed. Action, gratuity, sex, and violence, and the dichotomy of white versus black permeate through the core of the genre. It remained its defining elements. Then there was its musical counterparts as well, which played a big role. Throughout the years, black exploitation genre succeeded in creating its own stars. Such as Tamara Dobson, Pam Greer. Everybody knows Pam Greer. Yeah, of course. Rudy Ray Moore. Everybody loved Rudy Ray yeah. Moore. Yeah, and my man, Fred the Hammer Williamson. Yeah. Oh, man. Fred the Hammer. I, yeah, I like Fred. Yeah. He almost was in I'm Going to Get You Sucker. They offered him a role, but he turned it down. I'm not surprised. Yeah. But as the, year, as the years were by, the genre kind of ran out of ideas, just like any genre, and westerns. Yeah. Um, this gave rise to the horror variations of black exploitation, like Blackula, yep. Blackenstein, or gangster variations like Black Caesar, black westerns, and kung fu films. Well, one, yeah. one of the, uh, what's his name, who plays Kung Fu Joe and I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, was an American ninja. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the NAACP continued to criticize it. 
about the stereotypes that were involved. By the time the 1980s arrived, productions within the black exploitation wheelhouse had pretty much come to a halt. This, ironically, it created a bunch of jobs, but it all ironically because of this, it left many of the artists and directors out of a job. Right. I mean, Rudy Ray Moore couldn't get work for to save his life uh, until probably the late 80s when, you know, black films started picking up again because that's the problem with the way that black exploitation was put together. As long as it was making a profit, they were willing to put the, you know, a little bit of money into it. But as soon as it mm-hmm. stopped turning the profit that they wanted, they were just like, okay, what's the next thing? Well, unfortunately, when you have an entire, uh, you know, population that is living or, or, or you know, supplanting their, uh, their wealth through that one genre, and then you replace it with what ended up being like slasher horror, because that's essentially what replaced black exploitation yep. was slasher horror in the eighties. Um, that yeah. you know that you it's no longer you're now instead of having an, an all black cast and a black director and everything else, you have an all white cast with like one or two black guys that show up and you know they're generally the first ones first killed off. Killed, yeah. <laughs> That's why they joke about it in the scary movie. Right. So it it's 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 a whole different you know, you still need uh you know, you still need black people to do different movies, but they're just not getting the full realm. And then until the bigger dramas that started coming up in the late uh, late 80s, like Boys in the Hood and Juice and stuff like that, before you started getting into those heavier uh, New Jack City-type movies. Yeah, which was essentially that Boys in the Hood were kind of like... Those were the big dramas that were coming out of the yes. blacks, and that really kind of started propelling serious film yeah. out of the black community. Yeah. Um, but the the only thing that you know, other than that, that they had was comedy, mm-hmm. and of course, this is what you end up with in this regard with the Waynes, yes. uh, the Waynes brothers, which were comedy, and it was black comedy in the late eighties. I, I I can't think of. I mean, you obviously had Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. which was in the eighties as well, mm-hmm. but he had by the time we got around to the Wayne, the Waynes brothers, Eddie Murphy had become like a superstar. Yeah. I mean, I remember when Beverly Hills Cop came out, he originally was the sidekick. Nolte was the one who made all That was 48 hours. Oh, 40 hours. I'm sorry. Yeah. Was it? Beverly Hills Cop was the was him by himself. Okay. When okay. he went to Detroit, uh, okay, and then it had Judd Hearst, and um, I can't remember so the other 48 the hours guys. is when Murphy made the money. He was the he was the higher paid actor. Yeah, in the first one, he was the lesser of the two. But he was the only thing he had on his resume at that point was Saturday Night Live. So he was an unproven commodity. Mm-hmm. He was uh, stand up comic comic. But this was prior to um, I think Raw had not come out. I believe Delirious had come out, but Delirious was not initially the box office draw that Raw was Raw's when Raw best. came out. That blew Eddie Murphy through the sky. That, that freaking comedy was all. I still that, that that whole McDonald's hamburger. Oh, McDonald's hamburgers! I'll make your hamburger better than McDonald's. You go better than McDonald's? That's right. When you get home, you can help Mama make it. You say shit, that grip bet better than McDonald's. You must say, okay, go get me that big black frying pan from under the stove. So you hand the big black frying pan, and she said, now while you're in there, I want you to go get in the refrigerator, give me the chopped meat, and while you're in there, get me a green pepper and an onion. And you said. 
Ain't no green peppers in McDonald's. I'm not making McDonald's. I'm making your mama's burger. I need a green pepper and an onion. Why in there? Give me an egg out, too. What you need eggs for? I want hamburgers. You make an egg McMuffins. Yeah. Oh, hamburger. Yeah, yeah. Still I, kills me. Everything. I, I loved Raw. I loved Delirious. Both of those still hold up to today. I am... I know that this is, you know, a lot of people are going to disagree with this. I am not a Richard Pryor fan, but I did love Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And I liked Red Fox, too. So it's kind of weird because, you know, anytime you think of the the succession of black comedians, you go Red Fox, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Right. And Richard Pryor just never did it for me for some reason. His comedy just didn't work for me. I don't know why. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I, I mean, it, it, there's plenty of people out there that think he's a comic genius. The oh, you know, he's a comic nine nine in some circles. You know, I liked his movies more than I liked his stand up. Which anybody out there would say, absolutely not. I mean, they they would say, you know, his stand up was so much better than his his movies. But I don't know. Whatever. Let's get back to this, man. All right. We're, so, like, going all over the fucking place. We are. It doesn't matter because it's... Oh, I mean, you're right. Spike Lee. I forgot about Spike that. Lee. Jesus Spike Christ. Lee, yeah. So, essentially, that's, you know... So, so I think we covered it, you know, wrapping up black exploitation. I think it's an important genre to talk about. And I think I'm going to get you, sucker. It's kind of like an, I don't say an offshoot, or, but it's it's a product of the black exploitation movement. Yeah. Um, I, I I still feel I mean I, I can definitely see where the roots of black exploitation is in this film. Um I kind of always felt more like this was more of just straight spoof, like yeah, I can you know, see, like I can the airplanes see, and then you had the naked guns and then you had I'm gonna get you sucker and you know, scary movie. And like I said, that's that line of spoof movies has been there since, you know, the late seventies all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, they've just gotten to a point where they've gotten so watered down that the new ones are just horrible. Yeah. Like you, it's very rare that you'll see a good spoof movie now. And nowadays, a good spoof movie is usually because it's you. You, you have something like a Black Dynamite, right. um, or even Black Jesus, or uh, 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 Dot um, Black Klansman. I don't. I don't think that was black exploit. I don't think that was a spoof. I mean, so I Klansman was supposed to be a serious movie. I, th- I thought that you were talking about just in general the byproducts of uh, black exploitation. Nah, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That's all right. So, so honestly, uh, well, before we get to that, you know, we're gonna praise. Uh, there's not a whole lot about. I'm gonna get you sucked. Usually, when I when I do this, when you and I put this together, I do research on like uh, either commentary for d- the DVDs or just. Go to various websites researching background behind the movie. But there's really not a whole lot with this. Um, but I do know that it's a funny as fuck movie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it was written and directed by Key and Ivory Waynes. At this point in time, they were already doing um, In Living Color, weren't they? No. Or think, this was prior Color. to In Living yeah, Color? I think it was. I think it was. I think... I, I don't know. I said there's, there's not a whole lot of information about this. But... You know, I remember seeing this because there's two. I think there's two types of fathers. I was 11 or 10 when this came out. Yeah. There's the fathers when it comes to movies who don't give a shit about ratings. They'll okay. bring down the VHS 
because they want to watch the movie. Yeah. My dad's love this mean. Um, then there's fathers who absolutely abide by the ratings. Which was my family. Which, was which your meant family? that, you know, which is why. But fortunately enough, my father worked, you know, 12 hours a day. And my mother, you know, worked. So I was home by myself so you, and was able to watch yes. <laughs> all of this shit on uh, okay. pay-per-view. Pay-per-view. Because we, of you, course, bought a rigged box where yes. we could get the free pay-per-view you movie. cheated the system. That's fine. Can't do that anymore. Some things don't but, change. You know. But regardless, you saw the movie. I saw the movie with my dad. Yeah. You know, and and... Well, my parents would have probably not watched this movie at the time anyway. Well, my dad. My, if you ever watch a movie with my dad and it's a funny as fuck movie, dude just nearly loses his shit. Yeah. He, I mean, have you seen him lose his shit before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he turns into like a werewolf. Yeah, I've laughing. spent enough time around yeah. your father. Yeah, I mean, he just loses his, loses his ass. Laughs his ass off. Yeah. Um, He's got a big hearty laugh. Yeah, he does. So. Yeah, he does. Then you have a freaking... We didn't really talk about Black Panther. You know, honestly, as I'm editing it, I, I, le- I like the movie less and less. I really do. Yeah. I, I don't I like uh, the movie less. And, I guess it's because, you know, all of Hollywood is committing fellatio with it right now. We didn't, when we taped that, that, that uh, Black Panther, they hadn't nominated it for Oscar yet. They hadn't? I no. thought they already did. No, they did not. Oh, okay. They did not. I think we just assumed that it no, was going to it happen. Was. We just said it was. And then the following week, they nominated it. Of yeah. course, they won the screen, the screen Actors Guild and all that stuff. So, you know. I don't get it. I don't see what everybody else sees. Um, and if it's just because it's a black director and a black cast, that's really sad. It is sad. Because is. once again, you're. You're just, I don't know. I'm not going to get into any kind of politics. And honestly, I don't even, you know, fuck Black Panther. I'm so yeah, done with I'm, it. I'm, let me tell you. I'd much rather enjoy talking about a I black wish. movie. I agree. Than spend more time talking about a shit storm that everybody, you know, keeps. Yeah. I, I, I just I, don't I, get I just, it. I want to say this, and then we'll move on to, I'm going to get you sucker. I'll say this. I want to reinforce this. The movie's full of shit. I don't think we emphasize, we emphasize this a lot. Wakanda, the made-up realm, was an isolated country. Yes. Okay? There's two types of isolated countries in history. You have the Englands of the world, who go out and colonize, and you have the Japans of the world, before they, they were modernized, who right. were pure isolationists. Pure isolationists. Wakanda, based off the movie and everything they, they tried to um, symbolize, what have you, would have been more like feudal Japan. So all the influ- all these other African influence would have been nothing. It would have been very minute. Very yeah, minute. I, I completely agree with that. And, and the whole idea of them calling Kanas. And I think they would have looked down upon all Absolutely. of the rest of Africa. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, <clears throat> I, I I just, I'm looking at that, that the more, I really wish you did. I, I don't want to no, talk we don't, about we just, it. Okay. I, so. get, I, I just like, 
it's kind of like now, if you were to sit there and make a movie about the United States, it would be completely revisionist history of what happened. I kind of feel like Black Panther is the revisionist history of what would Wakanda's, if it was a real thing, what their history would have been. (laughs) It would have never been what they made it in that movie. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So I said, there's not a whole lot of background information for I'm going to get you, sucker. So we'll just, I mean, it's probably going to be one of our quicker episodes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're already, what, half an hour, 45 minutes in? Yeah, but the actual movie itself, there's really, I mean, it's, it is a straight It's a film. shorter film. It's a shorter film. It's a straight-up comedy. So we start off with the I'm going to get, I mean, it's traditionally the, the opening credits. And they've got the I'm going to get you, sucker thing, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's Gold good. Fever. Oh, man. Yeah, gold fever. Yeah, gold fever it, yeah, the way I love that. Yeah. That that the whole song and yes. the music in this movie is very good. Very good. Um, it's it's definitely got that 1970s black exploitation film type with the like uh you, you know what I mean like yeah. it, right out of Shaft or one of those type movies. Um, that is through that permeates through the majority of the film and then. Rap, like again, you know, it, it had some gangster rap in there too, which was wonderful. Because I, I mean, of course, at the time I was NWA, it was yes. just the fucking shit for me. Yes. I mean, it. So it, it was just the blend. It was a blend. Yeah, it was a good Obviously blend of that seventies music as long as well as the. And they had a couple other little songs in there, but that that's really the feel of the whole movie right. is that seventies soundtrack. With some rap mixed into it, which is great. Yes. And the theme song I thought was great. Um, the, I will say that the the Jack rap at the end of the movie is a little weak, but it just it doesn't hold up as well. The Jack of Spades, but um, that is 80s rap. Though. That but is, it was 80s yeah, rap. Yeah. 80s I mean, <laughs> not all LL Cool J holds up either. <laughs> no, no, it does not. So you have this Any Ghetto USA, which is superimposed. That's what the town is, Any Ghetto yeah. USA. And you have police investigating a case of OG. So they're standing over a body. The body has a tarp on it. And it's an OG. What's a over gold? And they, and they reveal a, a June bug. Shit. What's his name? June, June bug, bug Spade. Spade. Uncover him. He's got, I mean, all these gold chains. He's literally covered in gold chains. Right. Literally covered in gold chains. And, and the cops are just shaking their head. How does he take his... What Jesus Christ. <laughs> this guy looks like a fucking statue. I wonder how he went to the bathroom with all this stuff on. How does he go to the bathroom with all that shit on? Which is one of the the running jokes, running jokes through the there's movie. There's, there's two big running jokes through this movie. One being that and the other one being... You can. There's two ways out of here. <laughs> you can either take the window or the stairs. Well, there's another one too. The, Which, uh, the Amway one. Yeah, <laughs> the Wham. Well, they they don't call it Amway <laughs> because I'm sure that they would get sued if they did. But it was like, you're not selling any <laughs> Whamway products, are you? <laughs> or whatever the hell it was. So, but yeah, that was the other running joke. Anytime somebody popped up to talk to somebody, they were like, you ain't selling no Amway products, are you? Because they, <laughs> they changed the name so they don't get sued. Exactly. But, of course, that back in the time, it was like, you know, a lot of people sold those, like, pyramid-type <laughs> yep. products. So, it was yeah, it was funny. So then what something alludes to this scene is that the head cop 
looks over and he sees this large man who tips his cap to him. Something's not right in any getaway. Right, right, right. Yeah. So then we switch to the the funeral of Junebug Spade, where you have your black preacher going off doing the black preacher thing. This yeah, but it, yeah, but it's thing. done well. I mean, it's I'll, done great. It's I'm gonna. I'm before we get into the movie too far. I don't remember any characters in this movie being poorly acted. Like, and there was ex- exaggerations, there was whatever the hell yeah. you want, but I loved almost... Yeah. I think I loved every character in this yeah. movie. And it was on purpose, though. I mean, this, they embellish the stereotype. I mean, it's on purpose. It's a f- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yes. So, But I just, I mean, because if I don't say that now, I'm going to keep repeating it yeah. throughout the movie. He was great. He was great. Pretty much everybody in this movie, if not everybody in this movie, was great. Correct. Correct. So then... You had this funeral where the black preacher's going off. Yeah. And it's eventually revealed when he says the name of June Buck Spade, one of the, one of the there's, there's people there. One is like, who, who? That's June Buck Spade. June Buck Spade? Ain't this Lester Wilson's funeral? Oh, ma'am. Lester Wilson was at 9 o'clock. Oh, man. Come on, let's get out of here. Hold on one second. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Can I get an amen? I don't even know. Get out of here. Get out of here. So they all take so off. Everybody takes <laughs> off, and as they're taking off, they're taking flowers off the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they take all the flowers the back and, and shit. That. And it only and there's only two people left: Junebug's um, wife and his uh, and mama and mama and mama. And that's when we see the next scene is in Mama's apartment, where they're waiting for her son Jack, who is in the army, to come home. But they're visited by two, two evil henchmen. Yeah, Lenny, Lenny and Willie. Lenny played by Damon Wayans, and Willie played by Kadeem Hardison. Now, Kadeem Hardison, of course, you, everybody knowing, you know, Damon Wayans, one of the Wayans brothers, uh, became a huge star, especially in the early 90s through the mid-90s. I guess he petered out in the late 90s, but now his son is a huge star. Um, he is in, currently he's in um, Lethal, uh, Lethal Weapon on Fox. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was a big, big star for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was a bigger star than Keenan. Now Keenan, uh, who was the main star of this movie, he plays Jack Spade. He was mostly the writer. Yeah, he was the director. You know, he directed all these different things and he wrote all these things. And then he was the one that kept it all together. Like yep. as time went on, as Damon got older and started doing his other shit, he started working with the other brothers. Yep. You know, the Marlin. two, Marlon and uh, Shane, uh, Sean. Sean, yep. And then it became the sons, like, because you had Damon Wayne Jr. come out and start doing shit. So, like, they've kept this thing going. And the sister, of course, was involved as well. Uh, I always forget her name. Um, she's in this movie as well. She plays... Kim. Kim, Kim, right? Kim Waynes. She plays the uh, the singer, oh. and they actually make a joke about yeah. uh, it being the uh, the director's sister. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean the whole way in family, the way that they put this whole thing together, like they attacked Hollywood, and it worked. It, it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. So it did, it did. Oh, and Kadeem Hardison at the time was famous because he was in a different world, world. which was an offshoot of the Cosby. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was where he really got his big start, and that propelled him into doing some movies for, I don't know, he was probably big for about four four years, and then, unfortunately, he came across that, 
uh, Jesus Christ, Vampire in Brooklyn movie, which I killed a lot of careers. <laughs> that was one of those Eddie Murphy films yeah, that they wish Eddie they Murphy. could have taken yeah, back. Yeah, there's a couple of them. There's a couple of them. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that one where he was in space. Uh, what the planet? Uh, Pluto, Nash, or oh. whatever the hell it was. God, that was a mistake. At least he made up for it with, like, Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion was a good flick. Like, it was a Disney flick, and it was more of a kid's flick, but it was really good. Yeah. Uh, and the Doolittle stuff and all that stuff that he did later in his career that he obviously did for his kids, mm-hmm. like, they were good movies. They were you know, I, they were for what they were, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, back to this. So, so Lenny, shit, sorry. Lenny and Willie show up, and Junebug owed Mr. Big who they worked for, $5,000. Yeah. And I loved how they made it out to be like $5,000. Might as well have been a million. <laughs> you know, I mean, now it's granted, it's kind of hard because I'm sitting here trying to put myself back into 1988 and think, was $5,000 a lot of money? And I guess $5,000 would be like equivalent to maybe 25000 now. Yeah. So it is a lot of money, but they make it sound like, it, it might, like I said, it might as well be a million dollars because there's no way they'll ever pay this off. <laughs> yeah. So, so they, and they're gonna force Cheryl to make up the money. So they're going around the apartment and they're insulting the entire apartment like stupid pillows, like throwing shit all over the place. I had a kind of wife. Get off me. I could look at these plastic slip covers. Stupid stupid painted pillows. on the wall. Stupid painted. Hey, tell that type of money ain't around I used here. to do the face on the wall. I think I do the face. This old bullshit. Look at these white pillows. Look at these stupid magazines. Look at the oranges and shit. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> stupid pillows. And then. Why you got these doolies? <laughs> Your doolies everywhere. <laughs> 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 stupid pillows. <laughs> He like he's like just embellishes what yeah whatever Damon Wayne says he's the uh, ad, he's the the, the sidekick, the, the sidekick yeah. who jumps on and says whatever yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so uh, so that Kadeem Willie ends up slapping Ma Bell <laughs> yeah because Ma just, Bell starts crying so she slaps Ma Bell in the face <laughs> good she moves here again looks like Mama gonna have to. Beats the living shit out of him. <laughs> So then, of course, Damon Way is like, why you mess up this nice lady's apartment? <laughs> and he goes back and starts fluffing the pillows, putting them back. <laughs> so, that's wonderful. So that's when Mom is like, all right, you yeah, boys. You there's boys two ways out of two here. Two ways out of here. You can take the window or the, or the stairs. stairs. Oh, we take the stairs. And the next thing you see them being thrown down the stairs. And as they get to the bottom of the stairs, that's when you see the star of the show. Jack see, Spade. Jack Spade. And he comes up. And the weird thing was, is I don't know why, but I, when I was watching the movie, for some reason, when I was doing the write-up, in the back of my head, I was like, if his last name is Slade, 
and the other guy's name is Slade. Why would? And then I realized, oh no, it's Spade. Spade Why the hell did I think it was Slade? So like halfway through the movie, I'm like, why do they all have the same last name? (laughs) And I don't know what. It just confused me for a second. So, so he walks over the two guys, Lenny and uh, whatever his name is. Goes up to this party. He's wearing his army jacket with all these badges. Right, right. And I had not noticed this up until two nights ago. And I watched one of the badges is a is a toilet bowl with a brush behind it. <laughs> it says patrol. <laughs> <laughs> He's got one that was a surfboard. Surfer. That's for surfing. That's for paperclip. But he had like a, a toilet bowl patrol. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then he's got all the the stars and bars and shit. (laughs) So Ma Bell hugs him, um, tells him what happened with Junebug, and he's going to uh, go to his old room, and she's like, you know, I just left your old room how it was from 10 years ago. He opens the door. It's a freaking, it's a shithole. Yes, yeah. The flies buzzing around, Um, and he's like, he kind of just eases his jacket in there, right? Go in at all, yeah. And this was this is where I felt that it was really important because, and and I'm going to explain why. On the when he closes the door on the back of the door, there's a poster of the 1968 Olympics Black Power salute by Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Uh, interestingly enough, and I just kind of got this off a of wiki was uh, somebody missing. Uh, Smith later said in a book that it wasn't a black power salute. It was a human rights salute. But anyway, um, the, the, the reason that I thought this was important, of course, it's huge for the black culture. Okay. Uh, the black culture, you know, that's one of their high points. But what I thought was done well, and this is the difference between now and 1988. They have that poster on there, so anybody watching knows what it is. You know, I'm sure when I was a kid, I probably didn't know what it was, but it might ex- influence me to go find out what the hell it was or whatever. But it, it, it puts the onus on me. At the same time, I'm not getting smacked in the face with colonizer. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you can put a poster on the back of a wall it's, and say, hey, you know, black power, you know, I love the black community, and you're saying something by just doing something like that without having to insult everybody around you and throw it in your face and make you feel like shit because I spent money to come see your fucking film. Yep. I wholeheartedly I, I agree. You know, and the only I thing I, I ask you about on this, because I, I don't, the weird thing is, I guess because of the culture of the day, I w- I'm all good with the, the human rights salute, the black power salute, whatever you want to call it, the Olympic salute during the national anthem. I don't have a problem with that. I never did. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with the kneeling during the national anthem at the football games. Yes. There's, a di- there's, there's a difference, though. But I, I never had a problem well, with the Olympics thing. And, and it was just like, because to me... The time in 1968, that was like huge. Was like huge, yeah. it, they were fighting for their own existence. Yes. Okay, and there was plenty of white people that were fighting alongside oh, well, with I, them. What you what you didn't mention was the Australian. And uh, which you really, I mean, if you really give a rat's ass about this, 
You need to research what happens at Australian. Oh, he got killed. Not killed physically, but like he, he was the worst. His he got it the worst out of the three. I mean, now the first, now I'm not going to say that the two black Tommy Smith and uh, 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 shit. What the hell's his name? John Carlos. Sorry, uh, they. I'm not going to say that they. It was received. It was received poorly by the Olympic Committee. Yes. But well, it of wasn't the, you know the virtuous committee they are. Well, they were, they were the. It was the same guy who was okay with the Nazi salutes yes. uh, in '36. So I mean, obviously, I have no uh, affinity for the fucking Olympic Committee at the time. But they were they were they were um, attacked by the Olympic Committee, and basically, if they did not. If the I, they had to withdraw them from the rest of the games, if they did not withdraw Carlos and Smith from the rest of the games, they were going to kick the entire team, the entire U.S. team, out of the Olympics that year. So they did end up, you know, uh, uh, kicking, not allowing those two to compete, so that the rest of the people could compete. Um, but the the coach himself was was okay with the act. Now, on the other hand, the Australian, yeah. uh, he was just destroyed crucified. by his own people. He was crucified by the Australian. The Australians were fucking pissed. Yeah. Um, There's a whole book about it. There's a whole book about that. That, that, that you know, if you care about enough about the stuff, I know we're yeah. And like I said, that. the you know, it's not like I'm sure the black community was all behind it. There was plenty of white people in in the country that were pissed off about it. I, of course, wasn't born until 1975, and by the time I even knew about it, I had already accepted, you know, the history of the country, mm-hmm. and you know what, you know. King and 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 uh, I know Rosa Parks. You have to say is the one, but she's not even the one. Doesn't really matter. Uh, but you know what the black community had to go through, and to have that moment, I thought was a kind of like a moment of solidarity versus what is happening nowadays with the NFL football games is more like a moment of division. Yeah, in I, my I, opinion, that's a, that's a very prolific statement you made right there. But I'm not joking either. That's a pretty prolific statement. So. so anyway, but the whole point is is that you could do things like that in a movie. You get your point out there. It's there, but it's not really slapping your audience yeah, in the face I, with yeah, nonsense like and the fucking that, colonizers yeah, nonsense. That, from that shitty movie called Black Panther. Right. So anyway, let's move on. I hate that movie more now. <laughs> now that we've seen, you know, I've watched a couple good black films. All you got to do is watch Boys in the Hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to watch, like, Boys in the Hood, watch freaking Juice, watch I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, watch Coming to America, yeah. uh, you know, pretty much any of the, you know, early 80s Eddie Murphy films, yeah. which, I mean, I know they're not as much, you know, straight up black cast, but Jesus Christ, dude, so much better. All that shit was so much better. Black Panther sucks. I don't know. Whatever. Let's. I, I mean. All right. So let's get on the room. Yeah. So, so so he throws his jacket into his shitty room. All his clothes all over the place. And Cheryl explains to the Jack how Junebug. What happened to Junebug after uh, he left for the army? Oh God. Junebug. He said he started wearing more and more gold chains. Uh, it's <laughs> fucking. 
Ken Ivory Wayne's <laughs> reaction <laughs> to, oh my God, oh no. Started wearing gold chains, Jack. Oh God, no. It started out as just one or two. And it seemed like every time he'd get some money, he'd go and buy more gold chains. I mean, he was wearing hundreds of them, Jack, hundreds. Not gold. Yes, Jack, gold chains and medallions and rings and even his teeth, Jack. You couldn't imagine what it was like to kiss him. He took a picture just before he died. We put it on the mantle. Junebug! How'd he go to the bathroom with all this stuff on? And he's like throwing himself around. <laughs> Starts crying. And he sees a picture of Junebug with all the gold on. And then, of course, it's like, how did he go to the bathroom with all that shit? <laughs> so, uh, next scene is in Mr. Big's office. He's played by John Vernon, who happened to be Dean Wormer from Animal House fame. Yeah, that was kind of his biggest role, but he was always kind of... That one guy. Yeah. You know, authoritative figure. <coughs> so Lenny and Willie are in front of him. They're talking about the soldier boy. That soldier boy. And yeah. they completely lie about what happened. Right, because <laughs> he, they got beat the shit out of by Big Mama. or Well, not Big Mama, Ma Bell. And um, they just say, oh, well, the soldier boy did it. <laughs> and like Willie's just like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, the soldier boy. <laughs> So Mr. Big tells them to kill Jack if he gets in the way again. And, of course, they get thrown down the stairs. In the right, way. yeah. Go to the window or the stairs. Yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, Jack is uh, all upset. He's back at Mama's apartment. And uh, Mama is telling him about how she was once in love with this crime fighter named John Slade from the 70s. And Spades and Jack said, well, I'm going to go talk to him. Maybe he can help me out, correct? That's what happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, and we're going to leave it off right there with uh, Jack Spade looking for John Slade. I can't get this right. This is one of my favorite movies that we've covered so far. Anyway, we'll leave it off there for now. Um, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking by us. Really, really appreciate it. Make sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we are also on um, Stitcher Radio, uh, radio.com. And, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. We really appreciate all the support. Big, big movie after next week. We do have Star Wars New Hope, the first episode. Um, in that, I guess, nine, nine, eight movies right now, plus the, the other movies, the peripheral movies. Um, Got to be honest with you, it, it's, it's a lot better than I thought. I remember it being, so... Um, for the for, for time being, anyway, uh, have a great week uh, and tune in next week for I'm going to get you sucker part two. And you can absolutely do no wrong, no wrong. A big brother, a word from the wise shall be sufficient. So I suggest you pay close attention to the words to this song. Woo! Gold fever.